What's up, everybody? This is Miles Turner, the Indiana Pacers. You're listening to the Pacers Podcast. Be sure to follow at Pacers on Twitter. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the Pacers Podcast, the only Crystal Arte podcast with a bias towards Crystal Arte. It is one game in the books, and Crystal Arte is already being compared to Reggie Miller, Clay Thompson, Will Chamberlain. You know, there have been a series of different comparisons to Crystal Arte today after what was a very frustrating and narrow loss to the Charlotte Bobcats. I'm not going to dignify them by calling them the Hornets because I'm still salty <laughs> about losing. But uh, we we can definitely talk about the rookie first game. And he was incredible. Justin, you were right. You always get first the first take when it comes to Crystal Arte. So I'm going to throw to you because <laughs> you are right. So... How, how happy are you right now to both be right and also that we have a rookie that's incredible? Can you just say I was right once more time? <laughs> right. You're right. <laughs> um, nah, look, I'm I'm over the moon. You guys know I was pretty high on him since day one. I just, I don't know. I got some plays that Pacers pick. I either like the look of them or I don't. And I'm not saying I'm an expert or a scout. I just, you know, there's certain plays they draft and, I love shooters. That's just me. I'm a three-point shooter, like, personally. So I love players that can shoot. Hence why, you know, I'm not the biggest Ben Simmons fan because he can't shoot. I just love NBA players that can shoot. And Duarte coming in, you know, six three-pointers in his in his NBA debut. I'm, I gave him the comparison weeks and weeks ago to you two. Like, he looks like Clay Thompson. I said it in preseason. It's like, oh, whoa, he's up. You know, it's only preseason. It's only summer league. But... He just got the stroke and movement of Clay Thompson. And I'm not saying he is Clay Thompson right now. It's one game, but um, boy, he looks good. I I haven't been this excited about a rookie since Paul George. Uh, and what's that, 11 years ago now? So um, you could not ask for a better debut for Duarte. And just before I move on, just want to give a shout out to Rick Carlisle by starting him. I wanted this. I didn't think he would. Uh, even with the injuries with, you know, I thought Lamb or Holiday or someone else but uh, or Tory Craig, but starting him, geez, it's going to be hard to get him uh, off the bench in the future if he keeps playing like that, isn't it? Unbelievable. I mean, Alex, you are, you are now the proud owner of a new Chris Duarte jersey after committing <laughs> to, uh, to buying one if he scored 20 and you almost had that in the first half. Like, you, did, when did you place your order? Mate, he, if he didn't go down with that injury, I think he would have had about 50 by halftime, the way he was cooking. So, yeah, look, I, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I, I, t- I sent that to the group chat because I was like, oh, he might score like 13 or 14, and I'd be happy with that. This dude said, nah, mate, I'm going to just drop a, a first quarter buzzer beater, shoot 100% from three. He, just, he looks like this might be a sad statement to make, just to preface it, but he looks like the most confident pacer on the team and the most yeah. like competent one as well. He just like looks so comfortable in everything he does. And the fact that I'm saying that about a rookie, come on, that, that's a little bit embarrassing outside of Sabonis and, and Brogdon in the fourth quarter. But yeah, he looked uh, outstanding. Yeah, really interesting point you make. And I think the the thing that I probably want to raise is that he looks like he's the guy playing with the most joy. And I think yeah. he, he looks like he's having the most fun out there, which is not something that we associated with this team last season. And it's something that we associated with, I think it was the 17 team uh, when Corey Joseph got picked up by four different players, the the team looked like they were playing with joy. And I want to raise the fact that this kid looks like he's enjoying every single solitary second on the floor. He he looks like he's having the most fun 
of his life, which is, you know, completely understandable given he's just started his first NBA game, hit 27 points. So, I mean, Justin, is it is it as simple as this guy is confident because he loves, he, he wants the opportunity, he craves the opportunity, and he's attacking the game in the right manner? Yeah, I couldn't agree more with both of you. You know, Alex, you mentioned he looked like the most confident uh, pacer, and I I thought that as well. Like, I feel like he was our go-to player. Like, he's just, I don't know, he just commands, he's got good floor presence, and yes, we're one game in. He could come out um, against Washington in a few days, and who knows, he could shoot over 10. But um, to be so confident in your first game when you're probably a lot of players would be really you know, nervous and, oh, my God, I'm around all these star players. Should I shoot? Should I, you know, should Sabonis command the ball? Should I just give the ball to Brogdon more? He just looked – it was like he was playing his fourth or fifth year. So um, you probably hear me sounding upbeat. I'm very rarely upbeat after a loss. Uh, and I know there were issues on the game, which we're going to touch on shortly. But this is the most positive I've ever been because I'm excited again. This is what we wanted. We've talked all offseason about it. What is going to be the excitement? And we said, you know, oh, TJ Warren, Karis LeVert. Well, they're both out. Um, but, geez, if you're a Pacer fan not not excited about um, Chris Duarte, then, you know, it's time to jump on the train because this kid's going to be a star. And I want to mention, I messaged you two uh, weeks ago saying Chris Duarte is going to be the best Pacer in three years. So uh, I'm going to stick by that, and I've got the receipts to prove it. You should. You should. I think you've, um, as we say, you know, you get first take on this stuff because you've been spot on since he was drafted, I think. A lot of supporters, me included, tweeted out stuff about how we wanted a younger player, but you know we got that younger player in Isaiah Jackson later in the first round, so we still kind of got what we wanted. Um, and it's clear that the Pacers made the right pick, which, I mean, it, it's fair that we didn't really have a great deal of confidence in that because of the previous picks over the past four or five years. The the last one that worked out in a bit meaningful way was Miles Turner. The one before that was Paul George. So, you know, you, you're averaging a good pick every five years, which isn't terrible, but um, cause for, I guess, the reason why we, uh, we were a little bit uh, tepid on the pick at the time. I want to talk about the game overall. Uh, it was an amazing first half. I mean, we scored 75 points in the first half and everyone was sort of on the timeline saying, here we go. This is great. This is brilliant. Rick Carlisle this is fantastic and then we gave up like 24 points straight so alex one thing that jumped out to me was pretty much all of that run was lamello ball either creating shooting finishing he was he was doing everything so shouts to lamello ball he is you know on the cusp of superstardom of not just all stardom but superstardom he he took our team completely apart over the space of about 5 minutes there in the in the third quarter um what what else i guess stuck out to you in both the first half the good and then the the third quarter the ugly well you know we just went away from everything that was working in that third quarter we stopped going to Sabonis down low I think Sabonis had like two points in the third quarter after he had 22 in the first half. And it's not like he just started shooting bricks. Like he just wasn't getting the ball. And, you know, you can credit the Hornets defense, I guess, a little bit. But even then, you know, it it was rough out there. I also think the lineup choices weren't great, which, you know, you can put that on Warren and Levert being out. But we had Turner, Sabonis, Torrey Craig out there. Like, you know, there, there really was no spacing at all. 
Jeremy Lamb was a negative. I hate harping on about him because he does have a good game every once in a while, but yeah, I, I just don't know why he was out there for so long today. I mean, I don't know if you guys saw it any differently, but he gave you nothing on either end. Like he wasn't playing defense. He wasn't making shots. So, you know, one of nine. Got one, exactly one and nine. And, and look, you know who I would have liked to see out there? Your boy, Adam O'Shea Brissett. I just can't yeah. understand why he didn't see any court time when Lamb was playing the game that he was. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the absolute example of why you can't rely on plus minus in a single game. Um, Chris Duarte was plus eight. Jeremy Lamb was plus five. I mean, if you look at just that as a as a microcosm of plus minus, uh, there's a reason that coaches don't want to look at individual plus minus in a game to game basis. They want to look at you know a sample size of a series of games because every time Chris Duarte was out there, you know we had a threat on the floor. Every time Jeremy Lamb was out there, we struggled to penetrate. We struggled to get open shots. I mean, during that run, I saw I saw Domas catch the ball a few times and try to drive to the hoop. And that was probably a, a reoccurring theme where he started really hot. They cottoned on to that. And then they, you know, they beset two, three guys on him whenever he, he backed someone down the post and, you know, he settled for some long range, mid range shots. He hit some threes, which was great, but I think we were too slow to adjust to the fact that they had figured out that they needed to throw everyone at the rim at Domas to stop him from, from getting off because early he was getting everything he wanted. He was one-on-one, he was getting space. He was, you know, monstering poor old Plumley. And, you know, afterwards, after in that second, third, fourth quarter, it, it was more mid-range, deep-range attempts, um, let alone buckets. So, I mean, Justin, I, I think it, it it's clear that we are missing guys who can penetrate and get to the rim. Um I want to shout out Miles, who once again defensively was quite good, but once again we didn't see that many rebounds and we didn't see you know drives to the basket like he was doing in the preseason. So it kind of felt like more of the same, didn't it? NFL fans hungry for a big win this week? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game, and if they do, you win $200 in free bets. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code TBPN, bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Yeah, it did. I, I want to bring up, I don't know if Pacer fans have noticed this. I've, I've, I've had this in the back of my mind for for a few years with Miles, and you you know he's all one of our favorite players on this podcast. But I call him pick six passes, and you know for NFL fans in Indiana, you'll know what this means because Miles can get a bit lazy with his passes. Sometimes he'll be at the top of the key yeah. and he'll throw a pass, and it'll be a pick six because someone will steal it and dunk it. He did that once in the first quarter, and then he did it off a def- uh, defensive rebound when he was passing to Tory Craig. 
They stole it. They hit a three. Big momentum change. So um, just keep an eye on that if you're a Pacer fan. Like Miles, yeah, love him to bits. Our best, you know, defensive player. But he needs to stop being a bit lazy with his passes because um, it, it's um, yeah, it does my head in to be honest with you. But yeah, um, more of the same. I think speaking of Jeremy Lamb, I agree with you, Alex. I don't know why he played so much. I know he played really well in that preseason game, but. Is it something they're trying to buff his trade value up? I'm not sure, but he, yeah, he he did not play great. Um, to touch on the positives there, Sabonis was amazing. He looked like he was going to drop 50 in that first quarter. Yeah. Uh, he, he was unstoppable. And, um, you know, for maybe a touch of negatives to, from Pace Nation about Sabonis in the offseason, well, uh, he shut his critics up. So 33 points, 15 rebounds. I mean, that's, that's Embiid. Anthony Davis type numbers. So he didn't have enough help in the second half. I feel like it wasn't his fault. He was the only one that was trying to get generate anything. I mean, he and, and Brogdon and Duarte, it's a reason that they had 75% of our points, right? Like no one else could really do anything. Yeah, correct. But I, I guess I'm, I'm overly positive because, you know, we always talk about, Oh, when, when this team's is healthy, when, when, Oh, what if, but, but when the team is healthy and we have that starting five, you know, we've spoken about how poor the bench is and how kind of, you know, we're not that deep. Mm. If not that starting five with the way Sabonis is playing, the way Bronson's uh, playing. Yeah, but but you got to think it'll be Levert out there instead of Lamb in the closing minutes. Like exactly how much right. of an upgrade will that be? You've got TJ Warren there and then you've got Duarte. If he keeps playing the way he does, could he be a, you know, a sixth man scoring punch where he's maybe someone like Jordan Clarkson where he's the sixth man, but he's playing 30 minutes a night and putting up 15 field goal attempts. That that would be my ideal scenario. I think that's where you have to also look at... I mean, if Duarte continues to play this well with Brogdon, you have to consider of the two wings coming back from injury, do either of them get a look as a six-man? Do they want well, to... Well, I, I love that. Do you think Levert or or someone else could come off the bench? I, I, don't, I don't think that they will do that. I don't think they'll have the... Uh, cojones to do that however if Duarte continues to go off if he impresses to a degree that he's averaging you know in the high teens in points and he looks really good against you next to Brogdon I think it's a really good combination Brogdon needs a knockdown shooter next to him Brogdon likes to penetrate he likes to get some space and Duarte can help with that Duarte can handle the ball a little bit so you know he's got he's a better shooter than Levert he's a better shooter than Warren so does he fit better in the starting lineup than either of those guys? I'm not saying he does. It's one game, like we're re- overreacting on one game, of course. But it it needs to be in the conversation if Duarte continues, you know, showing this sort of progress and showing this sort of skill set because this is what Malcolm Brogdon needs next to him. I mean, Alex, am I crazy? I mean, regardless of how you feel about it, Warren's going to be out for probably two more months at least. So Duarte is going to have a lot of chances in that starting lineup. Uh, but then again, you have to think when Warren does come back, he's in a contract year. There's yeah. no way they're going to have him coming off the bench. And uh, I, I think Levert is is going to be an all-star, man. I still think that even if he misses the first four or five games. So I don't see it happening. But yeah, you guys are right. I mean, it, it's a good problem to have, as I keep saying. Uh, you know, it's funny. I saw some Mavs fans that were a little bit upset because... Rick Carlisle never really liked to play the young guys. So they felt like it was a bit of a slap in the face seeing Duarte start, uh, even if it was a little bit forced, but I just thought that was funny. I want to talk about Malcolm Brogdon. He played 40 minutes. 
today. He uh, led the team in minutes. He was eight of 20 from the field, three of 10 from the line. So he struggled from deep, but 28 points, 11 assists. This is the, I mean, if he had taken a few less threes or made a couple more threes, you're talking about a, a you know, an all-star stat line. That, and that's, you know, the level that we need him to play at consistently. Um, and he looked like he was attacking. He looked like he was comfortable. And we haven't spoken about the contract extension as that happened since our last show. So Justin, firstly, what is your reaction to the Brogdon contract extension to further years, $45 million. So he's got four years now remaining with the club. Um, And secondly, did you like what you saw from Malcolm Brogdon today? Uh, Yeah. First reaction was, yay, no more Ben Simmons trade rumors, to be honest with you, because (laughs) if if I can't drum into people's head anymore, um, I know I keep harping on it, but, Pacers ain't getting Ben Simmons because Malcolm Brogdon cannot be traded this season. Can't happen. So, um, yeah, let's let's put that to rest now. I mean, all our three said it wouldn't happen and uh, glad we were all correct. Secondly, I thought he played really well. Um, yeah, he got a bit too trigger happy on the threes, like, like early in the shot clock sometimes. He just kind of, you know, strolled up and pulled up for an unnecessary three. But, yeah, I'm not going to hate on the man. Like you said, Adam, all star numbers, 28, 11, and 4. Um you know, the issue there was kind of defensively, you know, LaMelo. How much did LaMelo score? He dropped 31, 9 and 7, hit seven threes. So not all Brogdon's fault, but um, yeah, I'd, it, it's tough. I, I just think depth hurts us. Our bench gave us nothing. And I've been saying that for 21 years of being a Pacer fan, really. You know, we got 14 bench points, um, which is not just going to win you a many game. You know, Ish Smith basically outscored our bench. So you're going to win a game. Exactly. So um, our bench just wasn't enough. So it's, it's interesting though, that Carlisle only went eight deep. So in a, in a fairly close game in that third quarter, that horrendous third quarter where we got outscored 20 points, he didn't really mix it up. He only went eight deep. So, um, you know, Goga didn't enter the game. Isaiah Jackson, Brissett, like you mentioned, Alex. Um, I know that we got a lot of injuries, but yeah, eight deeps, not playing a lot of plays, is it? It's not, it's not playing a lot of big men. I mean, you know, Turner and Sabonis had a combined 10 turnovers between them and we can't win games if they're giving the ball up 10 times between them. If you look, just look at turnovers, 16 to eight turnovers, but uh, off the 16 turnovers, Charlotte got 22 points off turnovers. So compared to our eight, so we, um, we got torched in, in turning the ball over and we got torched in terms of the transition and it speaks to exactly what you were saying earlier, Justin, about, you know, Miles giving the a pick six away um, and, you know, giving the op- opposition not just a turnover, but an easy bucket on the other end or a, op- a wide open opportunity on the other end. And that's, that's the difference. I think, you know, we won re- the rebound count. We, um, you know, shot a really good percentage, I think, from the field. We shot a reasonable number of free throws. We shot 47% from the field. We shot 88% from the line. We took 47 three-pointers. I mean, two years ago, would you even have thought that a Pacers team was capable of taking that many three-pointers? Now, we made 36% of them, which is a reasonable number. But um, just the fact that we took 47 makes me a little bit more positive on what Rick Carl's trying to do offensively. So in summation, it was an honorable loss. We're a tough out, guys. We're a tough out today to Charlotte. Um, and up next, I think, who have we got up next, guys? Washington. Washington. So 
got Washington, uh, based on how Washington looked today, you would think that that would be a game that is going to be tough as well. I mean, Toronto could just be really, 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 really bad. They, they could be in a position bad. where yeah. they're tanking this season. But, I mean, Washington handled them pretty comfortably all game with a late run from the Raptors to make it a, a little bit more respectable. Um, but, Alex, it it's a game against a team like Charlotte that's going to be in that sort of 6 to 10 range in the East. That, and we've got to win more of those than we lose. Yeah, 100%. These are teams that you could be fighting for playoff spots against later in the year. And, uh, you know, it, it comes down to those... Uh, you know, the series between teams, right? If you beat a team two out of three times, you're going to get the uh, edge. So yeah, these games are incredibly important. They're, the Wizards are such a weird team. They're like the most random team in the NBA. Yeah. Just a bunch of, uh, I guess, decent players. Like, you know, Montrose Harrell always gives the Pacers problems. Uh, Dimwitty hit a game winner on us a couple of years ago. So, you know, uh, and they have the best player in the league, Kyle Kuzma. So who knows what's going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> I want to I want to go around table and um, ask who you, which team you were the most impressed with, and which team you were the most unimpressed with. Uh, now that most teams have played at least one game, I'll I'll kick off. Um, Milwaukee look unstoppable, and they look like they've got championship confidence. And what I mean by that, you see this with some teams in that they win a championship, they win a title. They come out the next year, not just thinking they can win, but knowing that they can win and having that belief that is so tough for some other teams to get if they haven't experienced a championship. So I think Milwaukee are now firing on all cylinders. Giannis looks incredible. Um, and I, I think that's uh, that's going to be a, a really interesting year to see just how many games they can win because I think anything's just about possible with them. Um on the flip side, the Lakers look super weird. I mean, Westbrook, that was one of the worst games I've seen Westbrook play. Um, and they don't seem to really have any anyone that makes sense aside from their best two players. And, you know, they've got a couple of weird veteran centers. They've got some weird veteran wings. And I just, I just don't really understand, aside from LeBron and AD scoring, you know, 25 points each 30 points each a game i'm not sure how westbrook fits in because the spacing gets all messed up with him in there so i think he's probably better off for the second unit um i'm not really sure how Melo fits in if because Melo really is that sort of off the bench scorer so if westbrook's kind of running with the bench then what's Melo doing and those two have proven in okc that they didn't really play all that well together so um it, it that the Lakers strike me as a really weird team, which I, I know you've been talking about for a little while, Justin. So I'll, uh, I'll start with you. Who are you most impressed with? Who are you least impressed with? Well, I hate to be boring, but you said both of mine that I was going to say. Milwaukee impressed me the most. I think Giannis. Oh, I toss up KD's best player in the world, but geez, Giannis making a strong case now, isn't he? Giannis, yeah. you know, geez, he's unstoppable. He, he's got a jump shot on him now, which... Um, Proves if he can work on his jump shot, anyone can. Um, but yeah, I, I've been pretty low on Lakers. Uh, that's my last Ben Simmons comment of the year, I promise. <laughs> um, I promise, guys. Also, while we're at it, Aaron Holiday was scoreless 0 for 4 today. Now, that'll do me a year of that. Many points ahead Everyone, oh, today, Justin. Many points ahead everyone said to me, oh, once he goes to a new team, he'll dominate. So I had to slide that in somewhere. But um, yeah, I'm done for the year. I'm both Aaron Holiday and Ben Simmons, I promise until next week. Um, but yeah, 
Milwaukee impressive. I, I don't rate Lakers. I don't think they're going to go the, uh, as far as people think this year. But I'll just wing it with two other teams. I think Chicago, they just beat Detroit. So nothing impressive. But I think they're really going under the scope this year. They're going to be impressive. And I'm going to say Toronto is as a bad one. Like, I don't think they're out to tank. Like, they've got a good lineup. Um, Nate Bjorken's back as assistant coach, so they should go really well. You are on fire today. I'm, I'm going to get kicked off the podcast tonight, I reckon. i got some sass. <laughs> He's taking shots at everyone, boys. Love it. <laughs> Alex, who, who are you most impressed by other than Justin the last 30 minutes? <laughs> I won't go a team. I'll go a player. I'll go Jalen Brown was the most impressive yeah. player of the day. That Knicks game was absolutely insane, first of all. Uh, but Jalen Brown, what did he have? Damn near 50 points. Tatum looked absolutely terrible. I'm not sure if you guys saw that play. Tatum waved him off, decided to take an ISO for the win and airboard it. So <laughs> um, kind of felt bad for Jalen a little bit. And also he had COVID like two weeks ago. So the fact he's dropping 50 now is a, is kind of insane. So I'll go Jalen Brown. Most disappointing. Um, I don't know. The pace is for losing. That's it. Choking a 23-point lead, mate. After my Colts choked a 21-point uh, lead last week. So there you go. Some real, some real fun sort of tankathon stuff happening between uh, Houston, uh, Orlando, potentially Toronto, Detroit. Um, yeah, Detroit. Not not looking all that good either. Um, and and a team that isn't even trying to build a contender or a winner. Okay. See, I, I don't, I don't understand. They're just basically throwing away the season. So good luck to them. Um, hey, they've got the you know, goat though. They got Josh, Joshua Giddy, mate. Come they, on. They got Josh Giddy. I'm not saying Josh Giddy's not great. I mean, he, <laughs> he is, but um, between him and, and SGA, they uh there's not much there and there's a lot of youth and there's a lot of inexperience and they're going to lose a lot of games this season not through lack of trying but just through lack of experience and uh lack of talent um so some really interesting happenings in the nba we've been the paceroos i think we have a jersey giveaway coming up for you in the next week so have a listen to our next episode when we will tell you how you can get your hands on one of the paceroos flojo jerseys. In the Pacers, we'll speak to you again after the Washington game.